Hi, everyone, and welcome to Metaphysical. We know how closely intertwined electricity, harmonics, and frequencies are, but did you know that amazingly, all of those things have to do with the human body, the brain, and our spirits too? In this episode, we're going to talk about sound energy, the amazing facts of piezoelectricity, and crystals, and so much more. So join remote viewer John Vivanco and me, investigative researcher Rob Counts, for a show that's out of this world. Hey. John, how are you? Good. Good. Excellent. I'm fairly excited for this episode. F only fairly? Fairly, yes. We've had so many insane episodes. You'd yeah. think that sound or frequency wouldn't be crazy. Oh, but it is. <laughs> it is. Well, you know, I mean, it might actually not be. It's just that we take it to the crazy place. <laughs> That's true. We take it to the crazy place. There's another t-shirt. You got it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, gosh, I mean, you know, I mean, what is your, can I ask you, like, what's your understanding of sound in general? I mean, I've, I've been doing research on this for, for a few months now, just by researching different projects and different things, but, but what's your take on it? Well, it's, um, it's a mechanical wave. It's, it's literally a mechanical wave um, that impacts physical matter. Uh, you know, when you're standing next to a speaker, you can feel it. Boom, boom. You know, you can feel it in your chest, loud music playing. Um, you know, those, there, there are these little contraptions that people are selling now. You can even build one that basically will pulse sound frequency between two plates. And you can levitate um, little balls, like balls yeah. of styrofoam. I've right? seen that. You know? And so the sound frequency, it's, it's creating these wave, the waveforms, and the, the ball will just sit on top of one of the waveforms. And so sound frequency can move things. It can levitate. Um, it, can, it can charge crystalline substances. It can, well, in the case of the, the story of the Tibetan monks who were able to <clears throat> levitate stones up a cliff wall and put them in place was used with um, harmonic sound frequencies. And, you know, this is that story. I think it comes out of the early 1900s of the Tibetans um, in a, at a monastery, and it was witnessed by a guy, a doctor, Dr. Jarlson, where the, the Tibetans actually, he claims, they levitated these stones up to this cave. They were, they were turning it into a little place to meditate. And when we had remote viewed that, yes, it was absolutely true. They, they, they were actually using a technology that they knew about that they've used before of sound technology, understanding Hertz really like, like the, the, the cycles per second and combining those into a harmonic to excite a piezoelectric charge in stones that will act against each other. It's kind of like repelling each other in order to move objects that are too heavy to move by any other means. So it is a mechanical wave. I just don't think that we, I don't. I don't even know if that's a real picture. <laughs> oh man! It should be. It should be. <laughs> but yeah, you know, my understanding is that they are a mechanical wave, and you know, we've seen it. We've seen it in other remote viewing projects, where when you're dealing with something that is a portal, we've talked about this before in past episodes. It's it's literally about sound energy exciting a piezoelectric charge. Uh, in granite that 
can potentially open a portal if you've got you know abundant earth energies flowing into an area that can potentially open up a portal to another realm dimension that kind of thing and then you know you get the montauk same kind of idea these you know they're playing with frequencies hertz so it's really frequencies sound i mean I, the whole realm of this is just absolutely incredible and fascinating to me. And I think it goes really, really deep, especially into the realm of how it affects our brain, too. So we have a lot well, to think, talk about. And, you know, yeah, and like back to the monks and, in, in, you know, the, this idea of them levitating rocks. Um, you know, I think the con concept in, in physics, at least, is that it would take an enormous amount of energy to do that so what you know if it's true if that's true that the monks were able to do that how, what kind of energy were they generating and and how because we're using human voices here or a har harmony of human voices to generate that you know piezoelectricity or whatever it is um yeah and and for those of you at home, if you're not sure what piezoelectricity is, um, I think it's important to go over that really quick. So uh, piezoelectricity uses, uh, now I'm getting this, okay, from a website here from justenergy.com. Just going to, like, this is the source here. Just go so, for it. Yeah. So piezoelectricity uses... <laughs> yes, it uses unique crystals to convert mechanical energy, which is what John was talking about. In this case, sound wave energy into electrical energy. Under compression, the crystals act as conductors. When crystals are compressed, their structure changes and the, crystals, the crystal acquires a net charge. That charge can be converted to an electrical current. Now, this is where it gets and what I think is even more interesting, as if that wasn't interesting enough. Other materials such as bone, ceramic, like special ceramics, and enamel are also piezoelectric conductors. These materials have in common the ability to produce an internal electric charge due to applied mechanical stress. I mean, in, to some extent, to me, this kind of blows the top off of why monks are able to do extraordinary things because if their bones are are capable of producing piezoelectricity i don't know what the extent of that is right i mean you know it could be a potential explanation yeah <clears throat> exactly you know from a physics standpoint i don't know i mean you know i don't think i mean physics can't even account for um a lot of the things that crystals are capable of doing i mean the amount of research and money that went into studying crystalline structures um, for use in computers is huge, you know, during the 1970s, especially like huge amount of money and studying went into it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so, so I, I think that we've only scratched the surface of what crystals can do um, and, and how to use them really ultimately. And, you know, we've talked about this before. It's like, you get to these ideas too, you know, of Atlantean civilization and ancient civilizations. And we run into it in remote viewing a lot as well, that that they were able to utilize this as a type of technology where we're only beginning to understand the very surface layer of it. Well, and and we are, because I mean, look at that, look at this. I mean, for instance, we often think of frequency as being sound, sound frequency, right? But if you're using very high frequency sound waves 
Now, now these would be frequencies that that were 100 million times higher than people can actually hear. Like ultrasonic. Yeah. Yeah. Piezoelectric materials, they become electrical signals that give off light waves in the terahertz frequency range. Now, terahertz, we're talking about, you know, the trillions of hertz here, right? right. That is insane that frequency is producing light, something that we can see. Right. Well, you know, okay, what's interesting, actually, I've done I've done a lot of stuff uh, investigating Joshua Tree down in California, Joshua yeah, yeah. Tree National Park with all the big, huge granite rocks everywhere. Um, and and we had remote viewed some stuff around there. And we have found that a lot of the things that people see there, anomalous things, lights moving, stuff like that has to do with a piezoelectric charge coming out of the rocks there. Um, that literally sometimes the rocks can be glowing as well. And when I've been out there uh, on repeated occasions at night, I've seen just all these flashes, flash, flash, flash above the rocks and on the rocks at nighttime with my naked eyes. <clears throat> and then remote viewing this, it's, it's a piezoelectric charge that's being released. Um, so, I mean, this is, this is something, especially also where you get into um, areas that are earthquake prone, especially the area Clear Lake, Clear Lake up near, up above San Francisco. Um, in that general area, you've got um, faults, crack, cracked fault lines that are very close to the surface. And they're constantly rubbing against each other so much so that you get like 1.0 earthquakes, hundreds of them a day and below, stuff that you don't really even feel. But they're constantly rubbing and scraping Right, each other, which actually creates earth lights. It creates strange phenomena in the air. It even creates hallucinations because that magnetic energy affects the brain as well and can cause people to have more spiritual experiences. Whoa. It can cause um, hallucinations, people seeing things. So magnetic electromagnetic energy piezoelectric energy if if we're hanging out in those areas we can begin to have things occur in our brain whether they're happening outside of us or not things will occur to the brain to cause weird experiences so this is this is interesting because you know humans are only really they're only really capable of detecting sounds in a frequency range that's from about 20 hertz to 20 kilohertz. Right. Uh, so actually, infants can hear frequencies higher than 20 kilohertz, but they lose that as they get older, you know? So we're, we're kind of looking at adults being able to hear between 15 and 17 kilohertz. Everything over that is you can't hear it. The human, the average right. human can't hear it, but it's frequencies that exist, right? Right. Frequencies that exist. Well, you know, did, did you know that um, in, in advertising and tracking, well, even in intelligence, they're probably using this <clears throat> ultrasonics, ultrasonic sounds to trigger events on your phone, for instance. So advertisers will, if you go, if you, if you go through a mall or whatever, and you have some ultrasonic type app, that's connected to advertising on your phone, they can pulse a sound that sends data to your phone. Your phone hears it because the mic's always on. Right. And will say, hey, there's a deal in this shop over here or whatever. It's you know, used for tracking and advertising. 
And so uh, there are, I don't, you know, I don't know if this is happening so much anymore because the FTC really went after companies doing this using ultrasonic tracking um, in order to uh, basically find out where people are going, you know, what they're looking at, what they're buying. That's scary. It's very scary. Very scary. So that's in the 18 kilohertz range. So you can't hear this. It's beyond your range of hearing, but your phone will respond to it. That's really interesting. And you know, it's such a technology. This is, this is such a valuable technology. And when you start going down the rabbit hole of how different organizations have used and or weaponized right. sound or frequency, it starts to get scary pretty quick. It starts to get scary. Yeah. Yeah. Especially the extremely low frequencies, ELF. ELF waves yeah. are for real. Those yeah. are... Now, a lot of people think that this is kind of a common, I don't know if it's a misconception. Anyone who's re- researched enough would know this, but everyone always talks about the high frequency, um, uh, high frequencies that harp gives off. But actually, what, what those high frequencies end up doing when that billion watts is getting pumped into the ionosphere is it's letting out extremely low frequency waves, which they can do a lot of stuff with. Right. A lot of stuff. Well, now we're moving outside of the realm of sound, specific yeah. sound waves. For right? sure. Now we're moving into electromagnetic um, spectrum and um, talking about hertz um, or kilohertz, or I don't even know what range they're, they're using here. But, I mean, we're talking about megahertz or kilohertz, something really huge on the electromagnetic spectrum to, to focus energy on the ionosphere. Yes. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I, when I was, I was living in San Francisco at one point and, um, I, I came out of this building and that the sky was just all cloudy. It was just all, it was just clouds. And I looked up and there was a perfect circular hole, perfect, big circular hole cut right through the clouds. And I'm like, that, that, that something, some intense amount of heat. Or something had to boom, create that, create that hole. Because I have seen images. Yeah, it was similar to that. It was absolutely not natural. And I have heard that harp can create these holes in clouds. So I was wondering, you know, man, is Google or some other tech company messing around with their own little like portable harp system or something? I mean, well, well, what's interesting is you know, <clears throat> harp is in Alaska because it's cl- like relatively closer to the ionosphere in Alaska. That's if you look up harp and why they put it there, that's what you get. Um, what they got really good at allegedly is being able to charge the ionosphere and throw the waves wherever they want them. Um, right. So it was like the, the research wasn't just about, you know, I think getting it close to the ionosphere and the uh, Aurora Electrojet was what they were after. But then being able to research how to use all of that and how they could thrust these extremely low frequency waves around the world is what they would be after. And who knows how many harp-like, you know... Yeah, how many harp stations are around? How many harp stations are are out there? And 
And you, you start looking into that and it gets weird quick too, because all of the bases have something like if you have bases that can produce a gigantic amount of frequency and what you're doing is basically daisy chaining off of harp. So you have harp as the, as the, as the base. And then all of these other bases have similar um, types of technology and it's all, right. you basically can start screwing around and moving the electricity in more places. And a lot of people, you know, now, this is also where it gets weird is there's a lot of people that are not just regular people who are conspiracy theorists, but we're talking about like physicists that have been very worried about this technology for a very long period of time. Yeah, I can, it, can, it, can, it can really create huge changes that are irreversible. One of those changes I know, one of those things I know is a, is a potential situation of zero point of zero point um, energy creation uh, in the ionosphere, which would basically create this explosion throughout the whole ionosphere and that would be gone after that. Um, I mean, they even tested, you know, uh, detonating nuclear weapons in the ionosphere to see what would happen. Yes. <laughs> the amount of hubris that humans exhibit with, with these types of things is just mind boggling to me. Well, it, hey, because it, we can, I guess. What I find super bizarre about what you just said, too, is it's like you'd think we humans would be smarter than to just trust any other human, knowing how like. Right. Knowing how untrustworthy we and those around us are, even with right. just basic life things, we're going to go ahead and trust a large organization with bureaucracy on any task and and like when you get on to even social media and stuff like that just listening to people defend other human beings who have an enormous amount of ambition and with a, an enormous amount of money involved and we're going to go ahead and think all of that is just clean because science right, <laughs> right. yeah no i know yeah it's a little scary to me um it's I surprising know. too that, that surprising. people would be that naive People will do things just because they can. Because they can. Yeah. That's and, it. and there's and 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 actually so little is known about these subjects among a larger group of people. How do you create accountability for something like that? I mean, really, I mean, even it, it even comes to Wi-Fi and cell, right? These types of frequencies. Because okay, this is I actually I find this interesting because around the 2005 to 2008 time frame, there were a lot of studies done on cell cell phones and what that frequency um, does to the brain. Um, and so these studies that were done at universities and sleep institutes unequivocally said, found out that the cell phones, this, the frequency will boost your alpha brain waves. So you've got beta, it's the thinking okay. mind. Gamma, Remember, beta. Yeah, gamma, beta, beta's like our like we're in beta right now. Yeah. Um, then you have alpha, which is which is slowing down on the brainwave scale, and it's um, it's more of a meditative state. You're open and receptive. You're going into slight hypnosis. This is the state that people go into when they watch television. They become right. receptive. They get programmed. They watch programming and they get programmed, right? Yeah, it's called programming. It's called programming, right? Crazy. Then you have theta, which is the hypnagogic, hypnopompic visions. You, you go into that when you go to sleep or when you're coming out of sleep. And then you got yeah. delta, which is sleep. So br your brain waves can be affected by the, the cell, <clears throat> cell phone by, by pushing you into an alpha brainwave state. 
And this is disruptive for sleep in general is what they found is that people could not get to sleep for about an hour uh, after, you know, messing with their phones, talking on the phone, whatever. Um, and it's very disruptive for sleeping. So one thing I do find interesting these days is that the discussion has shifted away from the frequencies of cell phones keeping you awake and turned into, oh, it's the blue light. Yeah. And it's disrupting your melatonin, which it is. It, it truly is. But it almost seems to me a little bit of a ruse to say that, hey, it's okay. Put that phone down. Just stick it right next to your head on your night table. It's okay to keep it next to you and on because, you know, it's only the blue light that messes with your sleep. So it often makes me wonder, you know, then you also have this idea that, that or you do have the ultrasonic capability of, of phones receiving information ultrasonically and wondering, like, are phones putting out an, uh, a frequency, a tone? Because, well, because it, and, and, that, that, yeah. you can't take the battery out anymore, right? Mm. Like, you can't disable your phone. So... It really it, makes me wonder. And the these question are, really are, is, it's like, can it? Because, right. it, you know, it, people will probably have a hard time with this, but it's like, can the phone produce those frequencies? And if the phone can produce those frequencies, is there a chance that some of these applications that we're using have payloads in them that can control those types of things? Yeah, that's that's where I'm going with this. That's what I wonder. I mean... Take it away. Let's take, you know, let's take the discussion away from it's the frequency of the cellular signal um, that is disrupting your sleep and turn it into the blue light so that you just put it to the side without turning it off. Right. Because if we focused on the frequency that's disruptive for us, we would put that phone far away from us when we slept. But if it's just blue light, hey, just turn it, just put it off to the side. Don't touch it right? While it's still potentially creating a frequency that is affecting you, right? So I don't know. There's a lot of things about cell phones that are very, very not good. Very, very not good. I don't like them at all. I do not like carrying them around with me. I do not like using them. I am not one of those who's constantly on my phone. I right. do not agree with that at all. Yeah, and uh, we'll actually, we can probably get a little bit more into that when things start to get crazy in our next episode. But I wanted to ask you something more along the lines of, of sound here is, you know, as a remote viewer, you actually use binaural beats. Now, can you explain to everyone what a binaural beat is and what are some of these more positive waves and sound frequencies that positively affect human beings because it's easy to get negative here and how you know our our trash of a society is using this stuff <laughs> but but how can we positively affect humans? yeah you know yeah good move i mean seriously <clears throat> good move to bring that up because these things are neutral the frequencies are neutral in general of course there's going to be frequencies that affect you negatively physically but people can use them however they want. And, and we in remote viewing will use theta. We'll use binaural beats. So binaural beats, okay, so if you have in one ear a sound frequency that's pulsing at, let's just say four, four pulses per second, right? Ba 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 four pulses per second, okay? That's called four hertz. And then if in the other ear, you have a frequency that's pulsing at 
six hertz per second, your brain is going to synchronize to five hertz, the in-between, right? And that will help you drop down into a very deep meditative as well as hypnagogic type state where you can do other things outside of the thinking mind, where you can be clairvoyant, where you can remote view. In fact, um, Puharik, Dr. Puharik, he was a parapsychologist out of um, gee, 1950s, 1960s. He found that when people are involved in clairvoyant activities, their brain waves, measuring on an EEG, um, their brain waves are at t 10 hertz or 8 hertz, sorry, 8 hertz. So 8 hertz in that range, which is very, very low alpha and bordering on theta, that range is this psychic zone, this psychic area. And you can use binaural beats in that range to facilitate that type of activity. So we use them. We use them all the time in remote viewing. It's a big tool that we do use. So, yeah, they're fascinating to play with. And I'll create my own binaural beats. I won't, I won't go to YouTube. I won't buy them. I create my own because you, you never know what's in these things. You really don't. Yeah. yeah. Especially for us conspiracy people. Like, <laughs> shadows everywhere. My phone's trying to control my arm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, that that's fascinating. So the the theta waves are seem to be or it's somewhere between alpha and theta, this sort of disarmed state that right. a human being can get in when they're when they're very relaxed, those those waves start to come up. And that that's a very positive area, right? Because I know, yeah. you know, some of my friends that do float tanks and stuff like that, they talk about the theta waves all the time. Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 6.6 .6 hertz will generate depression, though, right? So 6.6 .6 hertz. So there are hertz ranges in here. Dude, are that... you kidding me that it's 6.6? .6? Like, yeah, we live in a specific. clown world, dude. I know. I know. Well, I mean, go back to the 10 hertz. Like, Puharik, Dr. Puharik found out that um, um, 10 hertz would create that hypnotic state, right? And, and that was used by uh, the Russians beginning in the 1970s to like pulse those hertz into the U.S. embassy in order to mess, begin to mess with people, you know. And, and then, you know, as you, pro as you know, um, 10 hertz was also used in megachurches, right? It was, they yes. found these devices in churches to begin to hypnotize people to get them to more suggestive so that they accept Except what they're saying a bit easier. And for those of you who don't know what a mega church is, y'all need to go down to Texas. <laughs> they have churches, biggest churches you've ever seen. And, and this is where, you know, some of these guys that have larger organizations run their churches through. I'm not going to name any names just because I don't want to get into it, but you not hard to find. And so these mega churches were found to have these 10 hertz devices in them, according to what John is saying. And that, that's actually true. You can look that up. Right. You know, the, the, um, they'll use it for interrogation techniques as well. They'll mm. use that 10 hertz pulsing when they're interrogating, whether, you know, whoever's interrogating whoever, intelligence, governments, in order to get people to drop their defenses a bit more. So a lot of these things are abused 
heavily, abused heavily by intelligence um, for mind control, for um, whatever they want to use it for. Even, you know, probably, you know, you get into the psychotronic weapons side. That's all psychotronic weaponry from the three to the 30 hertz range is, is considered the zone of psychotronic weaponry where they can affect people's minds and goes into MK ultra, you know, even we're, yeah. we're like, we're in a cloud of frequency all the time, all the time now, especially, you know, with Wi-Fi, cell signals, we are in a cloud of it. It's, it's really kind of horrifying because, you know, even Wi-Fi eventually is going to have an effect on your MRNA and neurocognition, you know, you're going to, there are certain markers in people who have Alzheimer's on the mRNA side that repeated exposure to Wi-Fi can create as well. So, well, and, and some of these devices that we take for granted now, I mean, okay, we're talking about Wi-Fi, our cell phones, um, satellites, right? When we start talking about those, I mean, think about, okay, if we compare the amount of frequency that some of these old analog devices were able to give off in comparison to what they can, what we can give off now, there's no comparison. I mean, one of the strange things about the Montauk project was the fact that they had honed in on this old base where there was a, a Sage radar and the Sage radar was able to hit a higher frequency, um, you know, range and, why use that right base unless they were after the technology and the radar but if you compare a satellite now that's up in space that can beam down here and the sage radar the sage radar looks like you know like nothing in comparison in terms of technology and 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 they did quite a bit with that sage radar back in the 70s you know right i mean this 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 kind of like goes into, I don't know exactly how they did it, but in our data, it starts, it, it goes into unified field theory, really. It goes into unified field theory where, where they're combining um, two different frequencies, like gravity and, um, and uh, radar, like two different frequencies, like pushing two different frequencies together to affect gravity, to affect time space where these two frequencies, when they hit each other, they create a, a totally new frequency. I don't know exactly what it is. I don't know how they did it, but in, in our data, it always talks about how there's two different frequencies coming together, hitting each other, and then creating this window, creating this window where uh, it was like moving into the place where ghosts exist, right? It's like opening a door to uh, a place almost between dimensions where, where, for instance, where greys, greys and their alien spacecraft, when you see them disappear, it's the same thing. They use the manipulation of two different waves to create an opening to go through to hide in another dimension or hide just outside this dimension and then come back in. And so when we look at Montauk, it was a lot of that. It was a lot of experimenting with that. And their radar had something to do with it. The radar had something to do with it, but then it also gets into this whole other weird side of using frequency for MK Ultra type things as well. I mean, you can't get away from that. Like when you get into Montauk, there is technology that 
did stuff like that, but the people that they used for it were also being pummeled with frequency for the purpose of MK Ultra. I mean, they're they're completely tied together in very strange ways. Uh, so, and I think that frequency that people talk about from Montauk, I know Preston Nichols did, it was like in the 400 yeah. to 450 megahertz range, I think. Yeah, it was, I uh, actually have it here. It was four, 425, 425 megahertz to 450 megahertz range. At these fre frequencies, you can allegedly penetrate people's minds. Well, those are the frequencies that are considered the window to human consciousness. Right. And, right. and, and also, what's, what, like, what's further, what's interesting about that is that when you start talk, like when you start talking about this, it's not it's not as far fetched as as some people listening to this might think, because we're talking about the body having a specific energy field, which a lot of people have called the aura. Right? We're we're walking energy. We are. I mean, you know, even even sound waves carry energy. That energy can be converted into electromagnetic energy. These things happen. Right? Your body has a certain amount of energy too. And the aura is alleged to contain the sum of all the information on your mind. So if you can infiltrate, so, but in other words, you know, the aura is an electromagnetic field that contains energy on certain wavelengths. So now in Montauk, <laughs> if you were to have spoken to the locals there, they claim that the animals and particularly teens in the area were found doing very strange things. Birds were flying through windows ran randomly. Animals were running into strange parts of town together and teens were congregating and then separating all of a sudden, like all congregating and then separating all of a sudden. Now, you can hear these stories from locals in that area. The only significant thing about that area is it had the old sage radar in there that the Montauk project was using and functioning at during that period of time. So is it just an area of high strangeness naturally, or did this have something to do with the project? Right. If you believe any of that in the first place. I mean, this is just weird stuff, right? Right. I mean, you, you got to go into historical accounts of what happened there and the, what has been going on there in the first place. But no, I th it's, it probably has to do with Montauk and the frequencies they were using. There's so many different free. I mean, they were they were probably experimenting like mad on the local population. Um, and, you know, when we had remote viewed Montauk in general, we saw especially like an MK Ultra type stuff situation. Yes. They focus on children. They have they literally have children brought into these projects in order to have them do this stuff. Like, for instance, at Montauk, they had children going through that doorway. They didn't necessarily go through the grownups didn't necessarily go through it. They had children go through. So it was basically very similar to Stranger Things. They had like the 11s of the world. You it know, sounds absurd. But, you know, Stranger Things. When you look at these types of shows, they're a soft disclosure in general, whether the producers know it or not. I mean, I know they pulled a lot from Preston Nichols and people like that, um, but they are a soft disclosure. And this is the kind of stuff that we've always gotten in our data regarding it. So it's weird. It's weird to see this stuff um, in popular culture and it being accurate up against our remote viewing data. Uh, but so I think the focus on, on kids, the focus on children is that their their minds are way more manipulable than 
than adults. And so that's why they use them. And they have a resiliency. Their minds have a resiliency and they can take this for a while. So, so the, just for everybody at home, for your reference, megahertz is in the millions of Hertz gigahertz is in the billions of Hertz and terahertz are in the trillions of Hertz. Okay. And the, the technology that they've been experimenting with has been going from the millions, the megahertz to the, the terra terahertz. And in the past, during the Montauk era, Montauk project era, they were using megahertz and experimenting with megahertz. Now we are capable of producing technologies that are in the, the gigahertz and the terahertz. In fact, HARP, the initial documentation around HARP was to start with one gigahertz, which is one billion watts, and move up to 100 billion watts eventually. And they were experimenting on those ranges. Now, after, after HARP went public in 2002, or after it was launched, I guess you could say, in 2002, we're unsure after that point how far they got, whether they got up to the 100, you know, 100 billion gigahertz or not. But um, yes, so it's it's very, it's crazy what these this technology actually does. And uh, I think there's been a lot of people worried about it. You know, we, we don't know what destruction it has or it hasn't caused and what it's done, actually. Because, you know, scientists at the time looking at that, if they were to beam 100 or if they were to beam one gigahertz down into a certain area for a, for over an hour and a half, it could produce the amount of energy of one of like an atomic bomb, a hydrogen right. bomb. <clears throat> yeah, exactly. We don't know what this is being used for, and uh, you get out into the to the fringes here. You know, people talk about it being used to trigger earthquakes, to move weather patterns, and you know, it's all circumstantial information. Um, when you, as well as people doing research on and patents and whatnot, stuff like that, that lead people in, in the direction of believing that, but we've never remote viewed it. So I can't say if this is true or not, but I do know that Nixon said, Nixon, President Nixon had said during a speech at one point, that basically, if you can control the weather, you can control this whole planet, you can control the world. Um, and so after that, I think that really tons and tons and tons of money flowed into these types of programs like HARP in order to figure out how to do that. And I do believe, yes, my intuition says, yeah, this is, there's definitely um, an understanding of how to manipulate weather and how to use these frequencies to do that and, and go into weather war. Um, so, so conspiracy theory or not, there's just a lot of evidence that points towards, yeah, this is, this is the case. Um, in general. So it's, it is, it's not, it's, it is, again, it's that hubris. It's like, you know, because we can, because we can do it, you, even simple stuff. So I worked with, um, with some uh, NASA contractors at one point who, who were dealing with um, climate stuff. And I was, I was doing remote viewing to, to help them with some particular projects. And one of the things that we were looking at was the effect, 
long-term effect on the environment of um, the, well, the chemtrails, fragments of aluminum and stuff like that in the atmosphere in order to reflect sunlight back as for right. warming, right? So we had looked at the, the short to long-term effects of doing that. Is that helpful or not? Because we had to, right? What, whatever you think about that. The, the short to long-term effects are desertifying the earth. That right there, what will happen is that huge portions of this planet will turn into desert, okay? It will destroy the environment. It will destroy the climate. Nothing that they're doing on that level is good for the earth, for the climate. And we do know that they've been doing it because we see these crisscross patterns constantly that cover the whole sky. So they've been doing it for a while. I don't know, how, how did we get on this track? <laughs> We're but talking about, yeah. There is this idea of using HARP in conjunction with these things, the aluminum and whatnot that they're spraying in the sky. Yeah. The heat so it up. The, the chemtrails that the, people the talk about. The chemtrails, right? Um, so this is something that has been happening. It has been happening. You see this in the news now. We have to do this in order to save the planet. But that's actually going to destroy the planet. It will destroy the planet, but HARP will use this as well. So you hear in order to heat up portions even more in the sky. So but why would he heating anything up in the sky be a good thing using bouncing signals, uh, bouncing frequency, seeing how they could bounce it? Um, most likely seeing what it does. I mean, really, a lot of this stuff is, well, if we do this, what's going to happen? You know, but eventually these things turn into if we do this, we're going to mess everything up so bad that we can't come back from it. And that's the, one of these situations. Well, you guys, so we've covered a bunch of different things in episode one. Um, I hope you guys have liked this episode of Metaphysical. If you do, please don't forget to like and subscribe to um, our YouTube channel or Spotify or wherever you're watching or listening to Metaphysical right now. Uh, definitely follow us on social media. We're putting out some awesome stuff over there on Instagram and on TikTok. Uh, and in the next episode, we are going to get into uh, the metaphysical and spiritual side of how frequencies and harmonics and even um, uh, radio waves um, have been used, like hard examples of how they've been used and how they affect our sp the spiritual side of us. So definitely stay tuned for that. It's going to be an exciting conversation. And uh, John, thanks so much for uh, hanging out and being here. This is a pretty awesome episode. Mm -hmm.